listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. Here's Grimes at a pull-up three. Oh, Grimes, dead high shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. There we go. And we are live. Welcome to another episode of Mets Rage Cougs presented by uh, Insert Company. They want to sponsor us here. We'd love uh, to have you guys. We'd like to build from it. But uh, thank you for those of you that are joining us. And we, we couldn't have asked for a better game to, to come off on this postgame. Sweet 16 Houston, Arizona. What a wild finish. The Houston Cougars are once again elite. And my goodness, what what a run, what a journey, uh, especially after, obviously, a team that has lost so much in terms of their two best players. They're once again back in the Elite Eight, where they were a year ago. Houston defeated the number one seed in the South Region, Arizona, 72-60 to 60 a game. The Houston led wire to wire. The Wildcats never led in that game. They did a good job of holding uh, Benedict Matarin, who, uh, for all intents and purposes, he's going to be a lottery pick in the upcoming NBA draft. And not only that, Kelvin Sampson had high praise for him. But uh, let's not focus on Arizona too much. we got to start with Jamal Shedd, the man of the hour. Uh, I cut him some slack on those two turnovers late in the game. Um, Man, for it looked like one of those memes for a second where he just chucked that up um, when when Arizona started trap, but he was the, the player of the game down the stretch when Arizona made that run. I believe it was forty-two to forty uh, midway through the second half, and and really Jamal should uh, similar to the Illinois game in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, kind of flipped the switch and really helped Houston put the game out of reach. He finishes with twenty-one points, six assists. Four rebounds. He did have five turnovers. Kyler Edwards, oh my goodness, he, he stepped up. We, we talked about it after the Cincinnati game in the American Athletic Conference tournament that in order for Houston to go far, he would have to, to bring you know his offense going when it comes to shooting, and he's done it all three games in the NCAA tournament. He shot the ball well. He shot it well against Memphis. Uh, he finishes with 19 points, five, nine shooting from a three-point line. But Dayon Akib, uh, shoot, I'm so excited I haven't even been able to introduce myself. My name is Andy Anas. For those of you that don't know, you can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Dayon, I'll let you introduce yourself, and then Akib, you'll go after that. And let's jump right into the game because we, Houston, is once again elite. Man, so let's skip the introduction. My name is on the bottom. That's me, the Dayon Dunlap. Follow me. Let's get right into it. <laughs> Same here, yeah. <laughs> All right, then let's jump right into it. Where, where do you want to start? We can start with Jamal Shedd. I think that that's I mean, where you I just, start. I mean, I just want to start. I, I told y'all, I'm not surprised with this. I watched Arizona, and I knew we was going to dominate. I did not tell y'all that. I knew we was going to shut Mandarin down. I said Tajay and Kyle was going to shut them down, and that's what happened. He had what? He finished with 14, 15. It, you, you can't shut them down completely, but you can make it tough for them. And from what I've seen, he – He's a great supreme athlete. He's definitely going to be in the NBA. But the defense, the, the way that we travel, is nothing that he could get easy. But Jamal said, man, hey, he just really dominated, especially in that second half. He really, really stepped up. Nobody could stay in front of him. He made great decision after great decision, being aggressive to score. He didn't shoot the ball well in that first half. But once he got his three ball to fall, it made him even close that even even more. Man, I, man, Kyler stepped up. What a game, man. What, what about you? What did you see, Akeem? Yeah, I mean, same thing. And uh, they their guards couldn't hold Jamal Shedd. They, Kirk Creesa, he was on an island when they had the switch. Even their bigs, Jamal Shedd was getting his way, attacking the basket. And even when he did attack the basket, he found his um, he found his shooters in Kyler Edwards and everyone everyone else that contributed. I was also impressed with the, uh, with the freshman, man, uh, um, uh, Ramon Walker. Or Ramon Walker, he, yeah, yeah. He played a tremendous game. You know, he hit his shots, the couple shots that he hit, and then defensively, man, he was he was everywhere. And then taking of course, charges, Kyle, taking charges, slapping the ball out of guys' hands, everything. Um, 
And then say, and then nothing, nothing more can be said about Kyler Edwards, man. What a game! This is one of his best shooting performances of the season. He was what five, um, he hit five threes. I think he was about. I think he was like five for nine um, from distance, if I'm not mistaken. And we were we said this all season long. If he has his legs, if he has the rest, you know, he's one of the best shooters in the country. So and that and he proved that today. And that was another thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the, that bench production. That was one thing that, that we all talked about, the bench production. I think Reggie Chaney, he set the tempo. These last two games, he's just been a beast, on a, especially at offensive glass. He set the tempo. And then Ramon Walker, like you just mentioned, the energy that he gave, it was just so much. But I think Fabian really set the tone. He really only had four points. But early in that game, um, I think Arizona saw that when Ellis was on it, he was just barbecue chicken. He couldn't guard Fabian. And then from after that, they started doubling him, which opened up the game even more for the guards. So I think Fabian had a huge game. Although he only had four points, he had a huge impact on the game. Man, what a game. Uh, let's talk about uh, the game overall specifically and, and how Houston was able to manage the foul trouble because early on, uh, really, and of course the position of, of uh, lack of de- depth that it's been all season, uh, the guard position, uh, that was where Houston got a lot of foul trouble early. Tajay Moore picked up three early fouls. He picked up his third foul with, with still 11 minutes left in the first half. Kyler Edwards uh, picked up an early foul. Uh, obviously, Jamal Shedd uh, was a, in a little bit of foul trouble as well. And Houston was able to navigate through that, especially with Tajay Moore. And, and like uh, uh, Akib, I think you mentioned it, uh, Ramon Walker and the job he was able to do. I mean, immediately when he came into the game, he provided a spark, hitting that corner three in, in transition. Uh, he had another nice uh, mid-range pull-up that he that he hit when Arizona was in the midst of their run. Uh, but Ramon Ramon's walk Ramon Walker's minutes uh, was able to give Houston a much-needed boost, especially in terms of that guard position where there are three starters that, that have honestly they've been the horses all season long since Sasser and, and Mark have been gone. And Walker was able to step in and, and fill that void that, that Tajay and Andrew Moshed had left and due to Fatra. Uh, quick, real side note before before y'all, y'all step in. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you very much to Mr. DJ Vicious. Delicious. What a, what a cool name. Uh, we appreciate, obviously, the super sticker, the super uh, donation. You got a, a one hell of a name. Uh, we appreciate it. But like you said, Jamal Shed is stone cold. Nothing phases him. Memphis game changed it all for us and prepared this team. Yeah. And, and right off the bat, I mean, Kevin Sampson himself, he, he went behind, uh, I believe it was a local radio station in Memphis, and he told them uh, Memphis prepared Houston for, for this run in the NCAA tournament. It was a, a wake-up call. It was Honestly, those were the most physical games that Houston has had to play. And and Bayon, I can, you guys can can say if you guys disagree with me, but I feel that Houston has still yet to play a game in this, in this tournament that have been as physical as those three games were against Memphis. No, I agree 100%. I think Houston definitely – and we even heard Gavin say that um, in, in our last episode. And so I definitely believe that's true. And, I mean, just Jamal shit, man, he he's looking a lot like Chris Paul in the way that he's able to dictate a game, the way he's able to penetrate, the way he's able just to kind of control the tempo of the game. Although late he had a couple of turnovers, but outside of that, he he's just so poised. And then he brings such energy – and just in different moments, he's just a great leader. But even Kyler, man, the defense that um, he played on uh, Benedict Mather, it, it was just very impressive. He's been playing that defense all year, lockdown defense. And I, I'm not surprised. I, I said it after the game. I said in our private group chat that we was going to watch Arizona because I, I didn't see anything that was just impressive, that they just do great. They have great length. They have great athleticism. But no, just knockdown shooters. But, um Matherin, he he isn't someone that can just get busy like Johnny Davis off the dribble. So I, I wasn't, I didn't see anything that they were just going to be able to overwhelm Houston with. And so I, I'm just, we, Houston has the best coach in the country, man. Coach Sampson is the best coach in the country. But this next game, I'm very, very intrigued about against Villanova. I will say that that's going to be a good one. Yeah. One thing. Uh- yeah, go ahead, and You got it. No, I was just going to say that the official tip-off times for the game have been released. So Houston will face Villanova in the South Regional Final, the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tournament, and that game will tip off at 5.09 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so of course, um, will be from the AT&T Center in San Antonio as well. So Houston-Villanova, 5.09 p.m. tip-off. Uh, I can go ahead and uh, pick up where you were Yeah. Going. 
Yeah, I just wanted to give, I mean, I wanted to give credit, a little bit credit to Arizona, what they were doing early in the second half that was giving Houston a little bit trouble. They they go, you know, watching some, just a little bit film on them, they go high to low action a lot between, you know, yeah. two or three of their bigs. So that was what I noticed. They, they were bringing Carlton, you know, out to the corner. And then when he came over to help, they would just throw the lob in. Houston did tremendously to take that away. Now that's that was what I was most concerned about when it came to Houston. Because when they do double, when they send that hard double, you know, up top perimeter, you know, if they're able to get that extra pass in, you know, it, that could have been, you know, I guess like it would have been tough for Houston to guard that. But that Houston took that away. And Co- Coach Kelvin Sampson, I agree with you, one thousand percent, Dayon. I think he's the best coach in the country and. The fact that he wasn't even on these top 10 lists, quote unquote, from guys like Jay Billis, who I respect, but I mean, it was kind of, it's like they didn't watch what he's been doing all season with the guys he's been yeah. having to deal with, you know, with, with all those injuries, foul trouble, limited, limited bench. So, you know, it's amazing what he's done. Yep, just to piggyback off you real quick, Arizona did execute really well to start that second half. I think they got the lead to two a couple separate times. And then that action you was talking about, when they double, they would quickly look to the other post and it um, worked well, or they would move the ball, have Houston moving, and they would get good open looks. But just the poise from Houston, just to not allow their momentum to fully swing to Arizona in every moment someone would make a play. And so, I mean, you just have to give the hats off into to Houston and the culture, but Arizona did start executing well in the second half for sure. Yeah, and to go back to that one point uh, with the physicality, Andy and Dion, what that you mentioned, like I don't think there's in remaining in the in this uh, well, the when when the Elite Eight comes out, I don't think there's a team that matches Houston's physicality. Now Villanova is going to be a tough team. We'll probably get into that later on, but Memphis for sure helped prepared UH for everything you know, they had gone through and it's like uh, every, the last three games have been all double digit wins for UH and they've beaten the, um, the champions in, uh, they just played, um, I'm, I'm, I'm blinking out. Um, well, they just Ooh. played Arizona in the pack. Uh, Arizona was pack 12 champions. Pac-12 champions. Illinois, uh, big and 10. then it was big 10 regular season champions. So to go through two of the, biggest conferences in basketball and just to blow them out outright, you know, is, is amazing. And, and like Kelvin Sampson used to be talked about more, you know, in, yeah. in all these national polls and whatnot. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that. Of course, the, the comment we have on the screen from King Jaja, Kelvin now being a top four finalist for Naismith's national coach of the year is a crime. And Dayan, I know Absolutely. you, you, you said it all season long in terms of he, he is the best coach in the entire country. And, uh, honestly, this, this might be his, his highlight of his career so far. And it's still going. And obviously, we know, uh, with, with the incoming recruiting classes for Houston and, and what they have coming in next season. Uh, but this year, uh, especially with, again, and not to sound like a broken record, but they're, they're missing their best player in Marcus Sasser. They're missing, uh, arguably their, their best pure scorer in Tremont Mark. And somehow they're still in the NBA. And unlike last season where, you know, they got to the Final Four and, and obviously the big thing was, well, they didn't have to play any of the single-digit seeds. You know, they, they got lucky. They, they beat the likes of Oregon State, Syracuse, and, and all those other uh, double-digit Oregon State, all those double-digit seeds. Uh, not this year. And like you mentioned, I think they've had to go through uh, the best of the best. They've had to go through Illinois. They've had to go through now the number one seed in Arizona and standing between them and, and back-to-back Final Four appearances, which would be absurd. It's, this is something that, that Houston had never done until uh, going back to the 80s with the five time Jamma teams. That It's incredible that Houston has been able to get back to that level of success. And the only team that stands between them and back-to-back Final Four appearances is, is uh, Villanova. You know, obviously, of course, one of those schools that you think of when it comes to to powerhouses in college uh, basketball. Um, but it, we got to start right there with, with obviously the game being in San Antonio. A big props to, to the UH contingent to travel over to San Antonio. Uh, and, and from the get-go, it seemed like, uh, I think Calvin Sanford, the quote he used before they actually left, uh, Gabby Lewis is that they needed uh, the, the AT&T Center to be for Cheetah Center uh, South. And that's certainly what it was from the uh, opening tip. Uh, when, when Ramon Walker hit that big three, 
and transition that the entire crowd exploded and you could tell they were they were a big factor all night long so uh joe mendes hit it right on the head right there and obviously reed kaiser samson have made me a fan of uh from afar it's awesome to see my kids wear uh gear to school they know what the mainstream does not go cougs uh i mean that's an underrated aspect right there in terms of uh you know, now from a national perspective, how Houston is viewed. Uh, this is going to be back-to-back years where they're in a, a stage, once again, the Elite Eight, where uh, this is going to be an entire country. This is not just going to be one section that, that gets to see that UH logo, that gets to see that Houston exposure. Oh, by the way, they're going to the Big 12 at, at the earliest by 2023, at, by the latest 2024. Uh, so they have a lot of momentum going and, and good, good big props to, to Kelvin Sampson. Uh, we've talked about Shed. We've talked about Kyler Edwards. Uh, one of the other players we haven't talked about, uh, the big, the front court, uh, Josh Carlton, Fabian White. And when it comes to those bigs, they had, uh, obviously, of course, the tough task of guarding Arizona's front court that coming into the game, uh, the big talk was about how lengthy they are, how, how physical they can be. And really, they did a they did a good job once again on their bigs. And, and the tough task for, uh, for Houston's big was containing Christian Coloco. And how did you guys feel that that matchup went for Houston overall? A Coloco finished with 10 points, two for six from the field. Uh, got six of his 10 points from the free throw line. But overall, I feel that like Houston did a good job, not only of containing those bigs, uh, but being able to shut down points in the paint. Yeah, I mean, I expected that because he, he's not really a low post scorer. He's an energy guy that gets offensive rebounds, block shots, hustles, run the floor, gets put bags to think, things of that nature. And so – Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Yeah, so I wasn't, uh, I wasn't um, too surprised on that, but they definitely did a great job. I think Jam- uh, Josh called it. He made some impactful plays, especially to keep the momentum at Houston. I mean, some offensive rebounds and putbacks, some of those were timely. And then his, just his ability to contest shots, uh, move shots. But then Reggie Chaney, man, I mean, that first half, he was the best player for Houston on the floor, really, honestly, from, in my opinion. I mean, he, he came off, got offensive rebound, got to the foul line. I believe he went four from six, if my mind serves me correctly, from the free throw line. I'm not even looking at the stats. But I think – and remember when we talked – Huh? Are you talking about Reggie Chang? Yeah. Yeah. He went he only missed, from the free throw yep, line. He only, he only missed his missed four, first two free throws. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, remember what we talked about. I was like, man, can he just give us four points? Him, um, J1 Roberts, Roberts, and and, uh, and Ramon Walker. Remember we said that. And then you look at the stat sheet, they did that. And so the bench production really took Houston over the top today. I mean, in my opinion, they all three of Houston bench players play really, really well today. Not the best from Jay Warren Roberts. We saw him have more monster games, but he still contributed really well into the game. Yeah. I and I, yeah. Go ahead. Dude. No, go ahead. No, okay, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So basically those that bench production was key and Deion hit it on the nail right there. And uh, as long as we got those guys to contribute while we shot the ball well, we're not losing to any team in the country. And that's what that we showed that today. And I think to go back off of, you know, Christian Coloco and then uh, I'm trying to pull up his stats. I think he was like two for two for six. So he only took six Mm -hmm. shots in the whole game. And that was due to the, you know, the heavy double teaming. And just like Dayon said, he's not a guy that will post you up. He catches lobs, he defends, he gets offensive rebounds, but Houston is, is the number one, rebounding team in the country if not you know so that that made it extremely difficult on Coloco and then if we go talk about um the game that uh Matherin had I mean he he shot the ball very like terribly he was four for 14 he didn't really even get going until the second half when it was kind of getting a little bit out of reach he was he helped them kind of claw their way back a little bit but then just Kyler Edwards and Jamal Shedd they completely took over that second half like they, they had no Arizona had no answer for them was it me or did Mandarin look frustrated to y'all oh yeah for sure yeah, and I think 100%. that's a good point you bring up in terms of uh I think it was uh when when Tajay Moore picked up his fourth foul on that offensive foul where uh the commentators on, on the broadcast mentioned how him and Moore had been jawing at each other uh the entire trip down 
And I completely agree with you, Dayon, where uh, Houston had them flustered the entire night. And really, uh, they never let them have, uh, get any rhythm in terms of being comfortable. Uh, most of his points came from the free throw line. There was never really a stretch that where Madarin would say, okay, he, he hit back-to-back shots. He can build off that moment, momentum. It was always uh, free throw, free throw. They'll hit one big shot, and then Houston will send uh, – depending on what he tried to do, whether it was drive or sometimes had to force up and rise up over a contested shot. Now, obviously, of course, uh, coming into the game, he, he it was obvious that he had the talent to be able to uh, to impact the game and, and be a game wrecker, but Houston did one heck of a job to, to limit him and, and frustrate him and got 15 points on 14 shots. I mean, that's, that's incredible defense right there. For Pac-12 player of the year, so and a guy that was averaging 20, 20, 20 or so points a game, so... Yep, but that, yeah. and, and but you know who actually really played well and probably is one of the only players who can match the athleticism of Tajay Fleur was Terry. He was the only only the few players yeah. who I can who I've seen on the court with Tajay Moore that can probably match his athleticism and he knocked down shots. He probably he was their best player tonight for Arizona. He he played really well tonight. But for Houston, I mean it, it was just part of the culture, just offensive rebounds, timely rebounds, being tough, being physical. I don't think the Pac-12 – I mean, I think Arizona have seen that physicality, and they said that on the broadcast. I don't think they, they, they've seen that physicality and just seen that pressure. The way Houston pressure you, speeds you up, and then plays at their own tempo, I think that's going to be vital, especially against Villanova. Villanova is a really good team, in which we'll talk about them shortly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quickly, before before we, we jump in and look, and look into the Elite Eight matchup, I think this stat right here is key for Houston – and when you look at turnovers, uh, really it was it wasn't necessarily split uh, one sided to to either team. Houston finished with twelve turnovers. Arizona had four. I think the biggest difference here is points off turnovers. Houston finished with twenty four. Arizona Arizona only had six, and that's big right there. Houston was able to capitalize on the mistakes that the Wildcats made, and in the meantime, Houston was able to get back on defense and really. What I saw in this game is that Houston was able to, to like you said, down control the tempo and force Arizona to have yeah. to play against Houston's set defense more often than not. Mm, uh, there were not really, there were not really as many uh, fast break opportunities for Arizona, and that's really what killed uh, the Wildcats. Because uh, give credit individually, they have athletic. Uh, not to take anything away from from Benedict Matherin, because he's he's one heck of a player, and like you said, he's he's going to go into the NBA this upcoming season. But when you have to play against a set ULH defense, a uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson led defense, that it doesn't matter who you are. That that's going to struggle, and we've seen it um, throughout the entire season. I don't, and during our group chat, we're talking about uh, Johnny Davis, uh, one of the few players that that really lit up this Houston defense. He did it in the first half, and Houston was able to make an adjustment and really contain him in that second half, going back in November in Wisconsin. Uh, same thing, going back to uh, the SMU game uh, in Dallas, the Houston lost, where Kendrick Davis, I believe he had like 18 or, or close to 20 points in the first half. A uh, turnaround, second half, they were able to shut him down, and then come the second game they played SMU, Kendrick Davis was was really held in check. And that's something that it's credit to, to the coaching staff. That's credit to Houston. That's credit to the players to go out there and execute. And mainly Kyler Edwards, who who Kelvin Sampson has praised to not only be uh, the, the best defender in the American Athletic Conference, is what Kelvin Sampson said, but now he's showing that, that he's among the best in the entire country. For sure. I, I think you brought up a great point. Forcing Arizona to play against Houston half-court defense. Houston didn't really have too many live ball turnovers. And then when they did, they did outstanding good job getting back in transition defense, which allowed them to set up their defense. The way they play the pick and roll and, and the way they rotate is just – it seems they're all on one accord. They're all in sync with one another. And they rotate well. They help well outside of a, a few mishaps. But that's the way the game goes. But, man, I mean, Houston just did an outstanding job with the um, with their defense. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of defense, it's that's the key though for for Houston. Although they hit all their shots today from three, they had so dangerous even with losing, you know, uh, you know, offensive guys like Marcus Sasser and um, and also Tremont Marks. So it's kind of it's still impressive what they're doing right now. But at the same time, like for guys like us that have been watching all season long, it's it's something that we're used to seeing them do outside of those, you know, two games against Memphis. Even even against Wisconsin that you brought up, like Coach Sampson in the second half did an amazing job, you know, fixing whatever they, they had going wrong 
Um, and then they almost made it a game had it not been maybe for like a turnover, costly turnover at the end for that game. Any kind of points as I'm looking at the comments that we've had, uh, <laughs> I'm seeing one that uh, anti-officials um, in terms of uh, officiating is at this game. Yeah, uh, man, it was horrible. Say, yeah, overall. And, and honestly, this has been something that's just been prevalent throughout the entire tournament where these officials, uh, they, they, I guess it's just when it comes to amateur officiating, it's not necessarily the best, but God. Uh, another outing where, especially in the first half where, we talked about it, how Houston, to be quite frank, it wasn't for the five troubles. They would probably had a, a good chance at putting, uh, at least creating more separation in that first half than, than uh, the final halftime score ended up being. I think Houston only identified six at halftime and that five trouble. And, and a lot of those calls, uh, we, we are the less rage crews uh, post-game show, so we'll, we'll lean into it a little bit. It, it favored Arizona a lot. Um, and and Cougs fans, you guys can, can take it uh, farther. <laughs> in whichever way you guys want to uh, comment it. But I think we've hit on all the points in terms of this game, uh, you know, holding Matterin in check. I, I guess if we were going to be picking up on one thing, I think Arizona, for the most part, did a really good job on the offensive class. And, and part yes. of it is just to do with their yes. length and how athletic they, they are. But there was multiple chances. And, and I'll, I'll give it some of it was a little bit, um, I wouldn't say – fluky but there was a lot of times where the ball seemed to be bouncing all over the place yeah. and, and somehow it found Arizona's hands but it, is that something that uh it, it's more of just the the matchup that Arizona possesses or is that something that, that Houston should be worried about heading into the matchup against Villanova I think they were just very attentive to rebound to rebounding and going against the game against TCU something that really plagued them I think they were just really really focused and honed in on that like you said their length and athleticism getting a lot of tip balls so I, I mean, I'm not really concerned, it's cause especially because Villanova isn't the biggest team. They have a lot of six, seven, six, eight players that are just thick and stronger, which we'll talk more about them. So I'm really not too concerned. Yeah, and I, I mean, I kind of – I didn't see anything wrong from what Houston was doing on the offensive glass. It was just – you would see three, four guys around the ball, and then the ball just maybe got tipped to a, um Arizona player. Or, I mean, credit to, like, guys like Coloco, those guys are – taller than the UH players they're more athletic they're longer they're gonna get those some of those balls but you know from a you know from a scheme standpoint I didn't see anything that the Houston did from you know that caused Arizona to have those extra offensive rebounds it was just the way the ball landed in their hands so let's jump right into it with that matchup with Villanova, uh, Villanova. obviously they they defeated Michigan in the uh, Sweet 16 to advance to the Elite Eight uh, that was the game prior before Houston and Arizona tipped off. Villanova defeated uh, the Wolverines 63-55 to in a game uh, which was really dominated by – I wouldn't say dominated, but uh, really the difference in maker for Villanova was Jermaine Samuels, who finished with 22 points in the game. Uh, when you look at overall the, the season that Villanova had, they finished 29-7. and They were second in the Big East. And for the most part, uh, they, they're led by – uh, Colin Gillespie in terms of scoring uh, on the season day on, like you mentioned, that they are not necessarily the, the tallest team. Uh, their tallest player is 6'9". Everyone else is shorter than 6'9". Uh, they only have one player that's 6'9". But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup when they play Houston now. And what we mentioned in terms of Arizona, what Houston was able to do against them and, and uh, how Arizona was able to get offensive reboundings, maybe that's not the case against Little Nova, would say y'all. Yeah, ahead, just looking at yeah, just looking at Villanova's team. Of course, they're led by Con Gillespie, but this is a team that you know they sh they shoot okay. They shoot close to thirty six percent as a team from three, but at the same time, they don't have the rebounding that Houston has, which is that's a plus for Houston. And then at the same time, if you shut down guys like Colin Gillespie and then um, who is and then I think uh, Caleb Daniels, like guys like that, yeah. if you shut those if you shut those guys. I don't. It's, I think it's going to be a long night for Villanova. But this is, you know, this is just me, like looking at the stats. Maybe watching a couple of Villanova's basketball games. I haven't seen much about them, but yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Villanova and I watched the game against Michigan. And two, one guy that I feel like would really probably be top on the scouting report is, is Samuels. He reminds me a lot of Justin Gorham for Houston fans who watched Houston last year. 6'7 player, but this is tough. Plays bigger than his size. He's going to go after rebounds. He can knock down three-point shots. He can switch and guard one through five. He's he, he's a really, really good player, um, along with Moore. Moore is, is another good guard that's just tough, man. He's really tough, thick guard, physical, three-level score, can court inside and out. In Gillespie, he, he's like the orchestrator. I mean, he's another good point guard who – who I think he might have trouble with Houston pressure and his lateral inability to stay in front of the shed, but he's a knockdown shooter. He's someone who can space the floor. He's not really going to turn the ball over. But Samuels is is top on the list, in my opinion, for Houston to watch out for. I think he, he he's a really, really good player. And on that note, we're going to uh, bring in the get-to-name hotline uh, if you're a company, if you're a business owner, anyone interested in uh, being the official sponsor of our guest hotline, feel free to DM us or email me at andyana 5 hey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any comments? For yeah, me? just, I mean, the last show alone, we had, I think, over 1,200 views just to let, you know, our future sponsor know. So, a thousand it's, it's, views. It, well, total, like, yeah. yeah. In total, yeah. Okay. So, that's a yeah. lot. And on that note, we bring in Chris Gardner uh, of the Houston Round Ball Review, coming uh, fresh off the post-game conference uh, from Calvin Sampson. Uh, it is officially past midnight in the central time zone, so we have stretched into Friday, the first official Let's Rage Cougs that has stretched span two days. We're making history, guys. Um, Chris, uh, how are you, first of all, first and foremost? I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, I picked Arizona-Houston to meet in the Sweet 16 in, in three brackets, and I picked Arizona to win in all three brackets. So I, I don't know. If that's that's mainly because of my um, kiss of death, because when I pick Houston to win, they lose. So I'm like, well, here, I'll pick them to lose and to win. So, I, so I, reverse psychology kind of thing right there. But a great thing, as you touched on it so far, is Houston controlled the tempo. I was surprised Arizona did not force tempo and, and press more earlier. Yeah. Because of, I mean, we saw the difficulty Houston had toward the end of the game, down the stretch. It caused them problems. Jamal said he had five turnovers. That was his biggest negative of a great game overall. Other than those turnovers, he was sensational in the second half. The great crowd, I'm pleasantly surprised to see how many people showed up in San Antonio wearing the Cougar red. To hear the Cougs house in the building was great as well. So it's, it's great to see that. Tazi Moore. His fouls, he got that Ben to get it, Malfoy getting into his head. Can't do that. I think they were in each other's heads. I, I, I can't but say he got, that he was But shit. he got four fouls, though. He did, but still, he still had an effective game on Tajay went on Matherin and had him out of his game, too. But who who has more depth? Who's more important to their team in terms I mean, of fouls? I, I depth showed up, though. I depth showed up. He did his job. He got yeah. in the head and he defended him well and had uh, him out of, out of his mind. I watched. Did you watch the game and see it? I, I watched the game. He did a lot of the 17 minutes then. He did. He only, he only him, played him 17 and minutes. And he, and he didn't uh, do a good job. He was, he was on the floor down the stretch. For, he for did make bad time. foul, especially that last one. That was a horrible foul. Yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. Matter. That you was know? that was horrible. And that was when they right after they the, the smash talk really <laughs> heated up between the two of them. But Jamal Shedd came through. Ramon Walker's good to see him take shots of confidence in the first half. Kyler Edwards hit that dagger three down the stretch. So it was a great game overall. But I want to be petty for a moment, guys. I'm gonna be petty. You mean a, a team with only one quad one win could do this? What? Only one quad one win could do this to the to a team with I don't know how many quad one wins Arizona had, but the number one overall seed in the South, a team with only one quad win, a team from the mm. lowly, weak-willed American Athletic Conference could do this? Oh, my gosh. What? What? What What? What must Goodman and Seth Davis, what, what are they talking about right now? What can Add Jay Billis to that list, too. What, is, what, Billis, are, you, what, are, they, what are they talking about? Yeah. What, what can y'all say now? Houston only had one quad one win, and yet they're in the Elite Eight. Hmm. Figure that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if y'all saw the Kenpa metrics. They have UH as the number two team in the country, you know, for a reason. 
Uh, and I don't, I don't try, I try not to pay attention to all the whatever different analytics there are when it comes to college basketball, because teams don't get to play each other as much, obviously, but I thought the I thought Ken Palm is one of the, you know, closest statistically they had, they, they follow along almost every statistic when it comes to offense and defense. So that really showed how good, you know, and Ken Palm had UH winning this game over Arizona. So but maybe some other metrics didn't Arizona for the most part was a, a minus two favorite. Yeah. Many of the metric guys had Houston winning this game. Yeah. One of the guys on the, at the athletic, he does betting slash analytics. He had Houston win this game. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't going to change my picks for brackets, but I was pretty confident. I was like, well, if they're saying this, I'm like, I think the Cougs yeah. will win. And so they did and they control tempo and that's the key. And also third in the net oh, rankings. But, oh, no, guys, long. come on. That's, but, but they only had one quad one win, though. That's the important <laughs> factor, right? That's the only one quad one win. Yeah. No, when it comes to Kempom, Houston now with uh, Gonzaga falling to Arkansas and earlier in the, in the, I guess technically we're in the morning, so in the, in the after evening, whichever it was on Thursday, that Gonzaga fell. Houston remains the, the highest team from the Kempom ranking. So uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, and at the end of the day, it, it happens when it comes to um, the, the actual uh, basket in the court. Whoever, whoever plays, whoever shows up in the court, sorry, it's midnight, it's late, I need a coffee uh, <laughs> rush. But the game is playing on the court. And at the end of the day, number one seed doesn't matter. I mean, heck, a lot of teams picked UAB to, to be the team that, that upset Houston in the first round. And when it comes to historically the 5-12 seed, uh, matchups of 5-12 seed, upsets, uh, how many of these national pundits that you guys all listed off? Uh, a lot of them, uh, multiple of them had, uh, I will say some of them said, oh, I could see UAB being the team that that, that uh, upsets Houston. They weren't necessarily committal, but and you could see a lot of them, especially when you come to blogs and uh, Bleacher Report and all these uh, different outlets. Um, Houston was a team that was being picked to be upset. And here they are in the lead eight. And Chris, obviously, Dayon, Ake, we all know the story in terms of this season for Houston. They're doing it without their best player in Marcus Sasser. They're doing it without uh, their top three scorers in Tremont Mark, who both haven't played at all in 2022. Um, and all-conference, they Calvin Sampson talked about it prior to, to this game against Arizona, where uh, to start off conference play, Houston uh, jumped out. Uh, I think there were 9-0 in conference play, and five of those nine wins came on the road. And from that point on, Houston just continued to win. And like you mentioned, especially when it comes to those net rankings and all these analytics, there was never really any buy-in, especially even when you look at the AP poll. I think the highest that Houston ever got was, I can't remember, but I think they got to nine or eight. I think six. Point. Six. Six. Yeah, um, I think so. In a in a in a coach's poll, a writer's poll, I'm not sure if it was that no, high this in, year. No, it wasn't that yeah, high. The, okay, not, no, not, I think it was last this, season. So. Last yeah. season they got maybe up last five. season. Yeah, I think the highest they got to was eight in the AP poll, and they they lose the back to back games uh, to SMU and Memphis. And uh, to be quite honest, I'm surprised that they weren't just dropped into the 20s immediately. But I think they fell all the way to to the mid teens, and they never really recovered from that. They hovered around. Uh, that point, and then when they lost to Memphis in the final game of the regular season, they jumped to what was it, 18 and they people's, and they slowly I mean, they really well, never recovered. The mean says six and nine right there, six and AP poll, and, and so Akib's right, six. Okay, yeah, so I don't, I don't watch those polls, so I don't really care about that. So, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> kudos to yeah. Naveen, thank you. I don't pay attention to those polls at all. You know, they UH might have a bad, might have one loss, and they drop them six, seven spots. Like, I mean, I don't really. I don't pay attention. But it, it's just a Houston versus it. And one thing, and, and I think I sent it to Andy a while ago, a tweet about from, from Goodman saying it was his first time seeing Houston in person. You're yeah. a national writer and it's your first time seeing Houston in person. So, wow. but you're taking shots at them based on what they see them on TV. Really? So, you know, things like that. That's why I wasn't really, up and on is about a, a, a five C, five C, fourth. I did see a lot more people pick Illinois to beat Houston than I did see people pick UAB to beat Houston. But either way, yeah. they're wrong too. <laughs> you know, a lot of folks pick Arizona, non metrics folks pick Arizona to win. But I saw a guy, he had the Houston with the highest percentage to come out of the South. Not Villanova, not Arizona, not Michigan, Houston. 
There's like a 40% chance to do that. Well, he's one win, one more, one win way to get to be, from being right. Also, um, and I think that this having the crowd or having the Sweet 16 and now Elite Eight in San Antonio was huge for Houston. Kelvin Sampson mentioned that, you know, he did he did he didn't care about the seating. He just cared about the rest period that they had, and then also, you know, that and that that San having San Antonio. He said even before this tournament, he actually admittedly said that he looked at San Antonio, you know, as a destination for even though he wasn't. He's thinking about the next game, which was UAB at the time. He still had that in the back of his head, and he he admitted that because San Antonio would make a home crowd, and we saw that that impact tonight. And one thing, touching on to follow up what you said, Akid, Coach Sampson said during the post game that he was proud of the UH fans for being in the building, being loud. It was great to see. You know, yeah. I'm keep saying I'm an old head. I remember days when Houston fans would not travel to San Antonio. You know, so for a game like this. So it's great to see the alums and the fans. And I'm sure as Houston becomes more known nationally, there are people wanting to rep that Houston gear who hop on that bandwagon late. That's fine. There's room for you. Just wear the gear. Be proud. But that's good to see, too. So it just shows you how far this program has come in eight years. And on that note, Chris, uh, was there anything, any takeaways that, that you had from Kelvin Sampson players' uh, post-game availability after uh, uh, their their win over Arizona and advancing to back-to-back Elite Eight appearances? Uh, well, I, I got in late doing other stuff uh, for for a post-game, so I caught the probably the tail end of comments. So I And they did it differently, too. They had Coach with Kyler Edwards and Jamal Shedd together, so it wasn't split, you know, Coach – all together so everybody was there together and they finished pretty quickly too so nothing too surprising the uh the quote let me see if i can put it up this is how how tough the kids are which we've known and i'm just surprised how folks don't know it like they need to see it to believe how tough and how good defensively this team is you know who was i tweeted somebody about the um coach of the year vote is done too soon Kelvin Sampson is the National Coach of the Year. You needed today <laughs> to have your thoughts on that. So, Houston versus everybody. Yeah, and they yeah. they won their tournament. They won their the regular season champion. They're in the Elite Eight. You know, if you if people actually watched, or the you know analysts actually watched, or the voters watched what Houston was able to do without their two of their top scores, like then they would understand, but that's just how it is. Houston doesn't, you know, until we get into the big 12, we're not going to be able to see, get that national recognition just yet. Um, now I did notice, you know, after we beat Illinois, a lot of these experts that even had us failing against UAB, cause I, I try to watch a little bit of CBS sports and whatever else is out there. They were picking Houston for Arizona. And also I think field of 68 that uh, Chris, you, you had sent me earlier mm-hmm. uh, um, that podcast or that channel, YouTube channel. They also, some of the guys there also picked UH to beat Arizona after watching the, what they did to Illinois. And just one thing about Villanova, they don't turn the ball over. I mean, they're like nine or 10 turnovers a game. Houston's around 12. So I think the game's going to be at a moderate tempo. It might be in the Cougs benefit to push tempo, play a little faster. But three-point defense is going to be key against Villanova. Dion was, was right on point about Nova's not a tall team. But Samuels, he is like a glue guy, rebounds, does a lot of dirty work. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, Coach Samson said, I think, yesterday, he and Coach Jay Wright have known each other for like 30 years. So they go back a long way. And they're no secrets. <laughs> you know, both these guys know basketball very well. So it should be a, a very competitive game and a lot of fundamentals. Nova is big on fundamentals and pump faking. They're going to pump fake a lot, which I think Houston's got to watch and just keep their feet on the floor. And also because they're one of the best free throw shooting team as a team. They shoot 82%, if I'm not mistaken, from the free throw line as a team. And so um, if Houston gets in foul trouble or gets in the bonus and put them on the line a lot, that could hurt them for sure because they are a really, really good free throw shooting team. And, and Keith is 
Kyle Edwards and Jamal Shedd not getting in foul trouble. They only had two each in this game. They have played more minutes because Taze got in foul trouble. But you saw that they are the two most important players for Houston to succeed in basketball games. Jamal Shedd, he's become Superman. This tournament, he goes into the locker room at halftime, and he comes out second half. It's like, I'm taking over. Go ahead. And he's done a great job, and kudos to him. And hopefully he can keep it up. Also, Kyler, I mean, sometimes he takes a lot of shots that he, you know, he's more set on his threes, but he was he was saucing up some dudes at on top of the perimeter. And he even that, even though he you could you could call that a you know a forced shot, but at the same time he was feeling it and he just wanted to take over and get in that groove. And like he did that. Same thing with Shed, just constantly attacking the basket. Shed's numbers, maybe from the field, from the field wasn't wasn't there, but you know, he shot 10 free throws. Um, to his credit at the same time and he hit two big threes so he also did a lot and you know you're 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 completely right Chris on that with the shed and Kyler but I do think with this Villanova matchup I think Houston's gonna go to the post a lot um, with Fabian and Carlton because Villanova's biggest guy if I'm not mistaken looked like it was maybe six eight six seven six eight um, and Carlton and Fabian typically bullies guys like that, even even if they're physical, but they they can get their way. And today it was a totally different game plan. It was let's play through the guards and see what we can get um, with the bigs at that you know as secondary. I mean, guys, but another, uh, realize real quick, Dan, real quick. Houston won this game, scored seventy two points. Fabian scored four points. Once again, yeah, yep. the different players stepped up. You know, Jamal Shell was that guy today, a different leading scorer for the entire tournament. Yep, I was just going to add that um, that also uh, against Villanova, it's going to be important that the, the bench continue to to have an impact on the game. Like Reggie, I mean, I talked about him in the first half, in my opinion, he was the best player for Houston. I think I remember Chris a couple episodes ago, he was like, we just need, I just, we just need four points from him and, Four points from um, Jay Wan as well as Ramon, and you look at the stat sheet they gave that along with more than that, and that that's only points. I think their impact is bigger than what they score, but I think Houston need, needs them to produce points for in, in any way, whether it's offensive rebounds, whether it's Reggie making his free throws, Ramon knocking down three to pointers, getting to the mid range, drawing charges, all the little things that they do. The bench production and the impacting is going to be very important. And to your point, Houston, 15, 13 bench points today. Who'd have thought that? When J1 made those two free throws, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this game is over. <laughs> he made those and with confidence. Reggie missed his first two, made his last four. They were six for eight from the line, made six in a row. It's just one of those nights, man, Reggie was great. It, and I, I, I don't want to jinx it, but it looks like his hand, left hand, is, is probably as close to as healed as it's been so far this year. He Last was two games, he's been yeah, great. He's, he's been great. Last two games, he's been great. Now, on that note, I did want to have one clip from the postgame uh, availability that, that followed from Calvin Sampson and Here's, he is, uh, I think, uh, him. He just had to get better. Before we get into it, I was going to set it up, but here's him talking about Jamal Shedd and really how he's grown uh, throughout the season. Once again, this is Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson. He just had to get better. You know, Jamal was 17 years old uh, when he got to campus. Um, okay. so Jamal was 17 years old uh, when he got to campus. Um, so he's... Because of COVID, he's really a 19-year-old uh, freshman. Um, so, you know, he just he just had to grow with our team. You know, we got we got thrown a curveball. You know, we don't need to talk about that anymore. But uh, we got thrown a curveball in uh, uh, late December, early January, and we just had to go and figure out who's going to do what. You know, and um, I think early in the conference season, he struggled. Uh, but so did we. But we found ways to win. I think we started our conference off 9-0. and But at no point in time that 9-0 and did I think we were as good as we could be. We just had to kind of, um, you know, just keep hitting the rock. Um, 
But as, when Jamal started growing, uh, he's, you know, like most freshmen, he's up and he's down. He's up and he's down. Um, but I thought having Kyler uh, beside him, I thought was really important for him on the floor. Was, uh, you know, Kyler's a veteran. You know, he's a senior, true senior. Um, um, Tajay, being an older guy, Fabian, um, you know, being at Houston for a while and having played in a Final Four last year. You know, he had some older guys around him to help nurture him. That was important. And then once he, had his, then once he found his uh, way, he got his wings, he started flying. But, um, you know, when we recruited uh, Jamal, I thought he had great leadership skills. Extremely, extremely intelligent kid, you know. So he's one of those kids should should be an A, a student. I mean, straight A students. I mean, he's, there's not one subject, whether it's math, biology, chemistry. He's a really, really good uh, academician. Um, but he's also tough. Um, I can't say enough about Qantas White, my, my assistant coach. The job that he's done developing his shot was when he came here, he was a non-shooter. Just because you can make a shot doesn't make you a shooter. It means you can make a shot. He was a long way from being a shooter. Kyler was a good shooter. Jamal was not. But Coach Q has done a great job. He did it last year with Quentin Grimes, and he did it this year with uh, Tajay and um, 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 Jamal. So Jamal's grown up uh, with, with – and this team has grown up with him. So once again, that was Houston head coach Calvin Sampson talking about Jamal Shedd and his growth. And, and uh, that's classic Calvin right there, giving uh, major props to his assistant coach, Qantas White, uh, and the work that he's done for the, for the coaching staff. Uh, Chris, I, I'm sure you'll remember this, but last season, uh, obviously, of course, Jamal Shedd, uh, I know Calvin likes to call him a, a freshman. He, he did it in that clip there, but when he was a true freshman last season, I remember, I think it was when Houston played Our, da Our Lady of the Lake, I believe it was them, and that was the game where really a lot of the freshmen, uh, Jamal Shedd, they, they got to get to play the most minutes. And after the game, uh, Calvin Sampson talked about just, uh, I remember him saying this because he said the same thing about Justin Gorman the year prior, but he said, uh, people are going to see how really good Jamal Shedd is next season when he gets to play more. And I remember he said the same thing about Justin Gorham in 2019-20. And, and obviously, of course, he had the season, uh, the, the heck of a season he had, especially when it comes to rebounding and, and the impact that Gorham had for Houston last season. Now Jamal Shedd has to step in and place uh, impromptu, really, with, with Marcus Sasser and Jamal Marcus that went down. And he's grown into, to, I mean, he, you, not to get cliche, but you hear about it all the time in terms of sports when a player has an it factor. And it looks like Jamal Shedd has it. And now it's back-to-back -back games and the grandest stage that, that you can get at when it comes to college basketball. And when Illinois made a run, it, it seemed like they, they tied the game. It looked like they had the momentum. Jamal Shedd stepped up, and, and he was really the driving force behind that, the, the, the run that Houston went on to put away that game. And once again, against Arizona, when they cut it to 42-40, it was Jamal Shedd that was kind of the, the maestro orchestrating everything uh, for Houston's run in this game. And it honestly, it's just incredible. One, how Kelvin Sampson can, he seems like an oracle because he's spot on with, with what he says a year prior. But to see, like uh, Kelvin said in that clip, just how Jamal Shedd has grown and to be quite honest in such a, uh, a short time, at least from the public's perspective um, and uh, a role he has to get thrown in. Um, honestly, he has to learn by getting thrown into the fire. Correct. And real quick, a friend of mine just sent me this. 538 now has the Cougs as a team most likely to win the national championship. Wow. I, I, I was also afraid to say that out loud. Because. <laughs> knock on wood. I'm, yeah, knock on wood, knock on something. Who would have thought that? You know, after Marcus Sasser goes down, Jamon goes down, I, w I said on shows that I was fortunate to be on, maybe even on here that this team reaching the Sweet 16 would be a success. Yeah. Then are in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to the Final Four. <laughs> and that point right there is well taken, just one game at a time. But they are now in the Elite Eight and have, as Coach Samson refers to him, a freshman point guard really leading the way. A amazing. I mean, it's, it's truly impressive. 
And I just want to say this, it means nothing. But just think about this. Next year's team may have better players. Yeah. I didn't say be a better team, but could have better players. And yet this year's team is in the Elite Eight. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's very important that that Qantas White um, is with Jamal Shea because he played point guard for Coach Sampson and took him to a Final Four. And um, just having that experience and just playing the position itself, I, I think that it's not a coincidence that Coach Sampson mentioned him and how important that he's been to Jamal Shea, especially just playing that position, knowing what it takes, knowing how to dictate and the ability to not only become a shooter, but but make shots. It's the difference between making shots and being a, a, and a shooter. Like, um, I, his name just left my mind. The, the guard from Arizona, what's his name? Number four? The, ben, their best uh, player? Oh. I'm not, 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 not Terry. Yeah, 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 him. Benedict him, he, he can make shots, but he's not a shooter. Versus Davis, he's a shot creator and he's a shooter. And so that's when I watched Arizona. I wasn't scared. I didn't, I didn't think that they could beat Houston at all. It was nothing from seeing Arizona it made me think that they could beat Houston. But Jamal Shedd, man, he reminds me a lot of Chris Paul. I see some Kyle Lowry in him, just that toughness, that just everything that he can do, man. I I seen it. I called his games in high school, and he was the best player on the floor but never forced any shots. He played exactly how he played with Houston, trying to get everybody involved and pick his spots in here and there, man. And, but, like, Chris, you, you're definitely right. They might have more talent next season. That's that's, And then they got Coach Sampson. Dayon, that's the that's the scary part about Jamal Shedd's game is the game is so easy to him. He doesn't even have to force anything. And here he is averaging six assists a game. He's he's top, he's a top three like guard in the country in terms of assists um in those metrics. And then he doesn't, I mean, we saw his shot fall today, but he still is working on that jump shot, that three-point jump shot. So when he when that when he gets because his his shooting motion looks great, when he gets that to fall, like He's going to be even more dangerous. And even right now, I'm sure NBA scouts are looking at him 100%, especially with watching him play against Illinois and today tonight against Arizona. So like guys like that definitely can – they can improve even more, which is the scary part. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Well, we, it looks like we're going to start to, to wind down as uh, we kind of uh, hit the one-hour mark in our, in our show getting real close to it so kind of to put to put a ball in this game uh Houston Arizona and Chris I, I'll toss it over to you because you did mention it uh first when discussing about Villanova and how uh foundationally wise they are and they don't really they're not going to beat themselves is uh, another way to frame it they're not going to turn the ball over that much um is something I pointed out to Dayon and Akib uh, before you joined but in this game there wasn't necessarily an advantage uh, for either team in terms of turnovers, Houston had 12, Arizona had 14. But the biggest difference was the, the points off those turnovers where Houston really capitalized uh, scoring 24 off them. Arizona only had six. And like you said, uh, for the most part, Arizona didn't necessarily try to, to pressure Houston, certainly not full-court pressure, until the very end, honestly, when once the game had, had gone on reach. And you saw it. Uh, Jamal Shedd had to... Um, not the best throws, honestly. I, I said it like the meme where you have a right receiver out there and he just chucked it up to to see if one of the UH players would be able to catch it. And, um, I mean, had Arizona been able to capitalize, that would have been uh, – and that certainly would have made things interesting. Uh, do you see Villanova in terms of how they play defense? Uh, certainly that's going to be something that they point out in their film. Would you see them pressuring Houston from the get-go? Because, really, that's, that's the teams that Houston have lost um, five times, three out of those five losses, uh, two of them were Memphis, but they did a really good job of forcing Houston to commit turnovers off full court pressure. I'll be honest. I haven't seen a lot of Nova this year. I don't believe they're going to, they have the team athletes to press a lot. And one thing we need to really watch is Colin Gillespie 
hurt his knee again down the stretch of today's game. Uh, see how much of a – if that bothers him because he is really the rock and the foundation for Villanova. And if his leg is not allowing him, does not allow him to shoot well or, you know, move well, then that's going to be something tough and over to overcome. But, I, I mean, I'm not going to change. I'm going to be the kiss of death if I pick him to win. So I'm going to pick Houston to lose and just be, be glad when, when I'm wrong. But um, Nova shoots like 26 threes a game. So they, they, they put it up a lot. Colin Gillespie is a great shooter. So it is just going to be a, 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 it's going to be a grinded out game. And Coach Sampson said, one thing he said in, in the press conference, Houston can win games in the 60s. So, and that's fine with them. And you talk about it, Andy, and I'll be done with this. Houston 12-9 in fast break points today over Arizona. Who would have seen that coming? But Coach Sampson is a hell of a coach, control the tempo, and you see a difference in dead ball turnovers and live ball turnovers. Houston capitalized on Nova's live ball turnovers and got those 24 points. Yeah, also with, with looking at Villanova, if uh, uh, Houston can stop that, you know, they, they do jack up a lot of threes. And, you know, they got some they got some shooters too. Like I'm going to give give Villanova credit. Um, I just think they can't. So there are a couple of plays today, and th- this is like, this is going to be it for me, but a couple of plays today against Arizona where they had open threes and Kelvin Sampson chewed up his, his guys for that. Um, so we can't, UH cannot be missing their assignments on that end when they're, when they're defending Villanova because Villanova do, does have shooters and guys like Con Gillespie can shoot the heck out of the ball. And also Villanova, they only plays eight players. They only played eight players to, um, today and they don't play a lot of players as well. And so, think it's going to be even as far as the depth and how far each bench go. I mean, like I said earlier, can't turn the ball over. Just got to play Houston basketball, man. I'm going to pick Houston to win. I think Jamal Shade is going to be the difference, whether it be his playmaking or really his playmaking or his ability just to break down the defense and either finish or create for others. But I, I think he, he he's going to be the one because I don't think they'll have anyone that could be able to contain him and keep him out of the paint. And as we close it out, Michael uh, Pender, I believe is how you say his last name, said this just in from Vegas. Houston is favored. They're two-point favorites over Villanova in the lead eight. Obviously, of course, that game will be in San Antonio. So uh, interesting note is there. So we'll go around the table, introduce, not introduce yourself, but allow people to see where they can find you uh, on Twitter or anywhere else on social media. Chris Gardner, you are our guest of honor. I'll let you go first. Where can people find you? Promote your stuff. Appreciate it as always for being on the as yet to be sponsored guest line, but that will come. Uh, HoustonRombarReview.com, HoustonRombarReview on Instagram, Twitter, you see right there, the HR Review. I'm going to I'll do my post game write up once the transcripts from uh, both teams is posted on the NC website. So look for that on the website, HoustonRombarReview.com. And I guess I'll see you guys uh, Saturday evening because the game starts at 509. So two and a half hours after that, another less rage Cougs. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Akib, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on the screen. It's uh, at Akib M. Ghazi on Twitter and Instagram. You know, I tweet a lot about Houston sports in general and then also cover um, the UFC and MMA. And Dayan, where can people find you, sir? You can find me on Twitter, like it says uh, below my screen, at Dayon Dunlap. And I also want to give Chris his flowers, man. I don't think he did himself a good job of how, how big of um, uh, um, of media and component he is and how big he is, the work that he does in Houston covering so many schools and doing it independently, man. Chris, keep up the great work. I love everything that you do. Make sure you check out the HR, HRR review I can't wait for Saturday. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, uh, it's time to, to jump on the bandwagon. But, Chris, you've done so much for us in terms of this show, being able to help build us, obviously, of course, bringing us, allowing us, uh, sharing your platform to be on your YouTube channel. Um, we can't thank you enough. Uh, we, we owe you a lot. Um, but uh, in terms of where people can find me, uh, they can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. 
Uh, and like you see it in the banner at uh, the top right, uh, from my perspective, if I have it wrong, I'm sorry, but your sponsorship here, we're looking for sponsors. We do ad reads, we do the guest hotline, and we'll see you on Saturday, like we've been saying all, all tournament long, when Houston advances, we advance too. And um, we'll, we'll see where we'll be broadcasting from. Uh, this is going to be a can't wait Houston Little Nova 509 tip. And we shall see y'all on Saturday. And we, Chris, real you got quick, real quick, Dan, are you going to go San Antonio? I'm there. And I'm she, how about it? Y'all going? I will. I'll say that on air. I will. I'm, I'm right, looking great. at tickets. I'm looking at. I don't know if there's alumni um, packages or not, but I'm I'm looking at tickets right now. So maybe we do a meetup. There should <laughs> be. <laughs> if not, there should be. It needs to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, needs to be. So anyone in the San Antonio area and uh, looking for sponsors for hosting a live show, <laughs> feel free to uh, hit us up in the DMs. But it looks like we might be broadcasting on site on Saturday, which would be incredible. And then of course Houston, Villanova, Elite Eight Saturday, San Antonio five. 9 p.m. tip-off, if I have that correctly. Correct. Um, oh, TBS. 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 Winner faces, advances to the Final Four. Houston looking to make back-to-back Final Four appearances. We will leave it there. We think we greatly appreciate every single one of you that tuned in, viewed. If you're watching this after, whether it be on Spotify or Apple, we appreciate you as well. We'll see you Saturday. And he's still dancing. <laughs>